So I'm just going to read to you those verses again from Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. That was the context of the message this morning. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then Jesus' disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be? that even the waves and the winds and the sea obey him. Have you ever noticed how easy this life is? Life's a, a bed of roses. Everything is always rosy in the garden. Life's a piece of cake, plain sailing every day of our life. No? No, me neither. If we were to say such a thing, we'd be lying. In fact, I think if we were to say such a thing, we'd be able to say of ourselves that we were absolutely deluded. Now, this life isn't easy. By no stretch of the imagination. Some of us have lived more years than others. And we know that as we travel through this land. There is the ups and downs. There is triumphs. But there are trials. We have our highs and our lows. That we do have mountaintop experiences. But yet we do also travel through the valleys. Life's storms, that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. Life's storms. I'm sure, in fact I'm absolutely positive and certain that we've all experienced them in one way, shape or form. Whether that's financial, whether it's illness, whether it's a job loss, whether it's the loss of a loved one. Whether it's just general tough times, whether it's through periods of depression, oppression. Whether it's that sin that we battle against, that we just, we don't seem as if we can overcome and get on top of it. Life storms come and they challenge us and they make life very, very difficult. The world would say that it's how you handle these things that matters how you manage to get a grip of them what what counseling you might be able to go and get how you might approach it what what tact you might be able to what's your what's your mindset on these things that's how, that's what the world would say and this to a degree is true you know we, we have to approach difficulties in the right manner but as a christian we should view these things from a totally different angle we should view life's trials and tribulations 
as part of the things that God allows us to, to go through in order to shape us, to change us, to rebuke us, and to bring us to where he wants us to be. And sometimes that's hard to accept, hard to understand, hard to even acknowledge that God would say, actually, this thing that is bad, this thing that you perceive to be difficult and hard, is actually for your good. So this passage that we've looked at today, it brings with it encouragement. As you go through it, you'll see that, that the disciples are eventually encouraged when they've gone through their time of doubt. But it also brings with it a challenge that we all must take on board. It's a message to the born-again believer. And it's a message to those who have not yet accepted Christ as their saviour. It brings with it clear guidance. It brings a clear rebuke. It brings expectation. And it gives clear instruction. And we, we were talking earlier about titles maybe for, um, for, the, for these sermons. And I'll probably give the title for this one. You of little faith. You of little faith. And we're going to go through the passage verse by verse and we're just going to pick out a few things that I want us to focus on and then at the end to apply it to our lives. We find this account of the storm at the sea captured in both Mark chapter 4 verses 35 to 41 and in Luke 8 20 to 22 to 25 and I'd encourage you if you get time to to look at those passages and compare each one side by side because there are certain differences in each of the passages and certain things which the writer focuses on more than the other one. Matthew, for instance, gives us a clear indication that the disciples follow him into the boat. The other two Gospels tell us that they went at his request. Mark tells us that he got into the boat with his disciples. But it's important for us to note, very important for us to note, with what we're looking at this morning, that these disciples followed him. They followed him into the boat, and therefore they were in the boat with Christ as they were going through this storm. So let's make a, a few observations about verse 23. Those who follow Christ into the boat experience the storm Christians do experience storms in life you know there are some certain sects out there some supposedly Christian preachers which will tell you that life as a Christian should be sickness free financial issues free and that God should give you everything that you require in order that you can live your life here to the most flourished um, and best life that you can have here and now. And that actually if these storms come into your life, this is your fault because you haven't got enough faith or you're not within the favour of God. That's absolute rubbish. The Bible clearly tells us that Christians along with the world 
go through storms. The sun, it says, shines on both the unrighteous and the righteous. And the opposite also occurs. The rain pours on the ungodly, but it also pours on the godly. And we must understand that. The second observation is this, that those who followed him into the boat experienced the calm of the storm. So not only did they experience the storm, they experienced the calm that follows. One of the other Gospels tells us that there were also other little boats on the sea with this boat. So this boat wasn't just the only boat on this sea. There were other boats scattered in and around. And those boats would have also experienced this exact same storm that these disciples were going through. They would have also experienced the calm. But the big difference is that the boats that hadn't got Christ on them were not privy and did not understand the reason as to why this storm had stopped. The only ones who truly knew why the sea had stopped tossing its waves into the boat, why the rain had stopped, why the wind had stopped blowing the boat about with those who were in the boat with Christ. And that's fundamental to the Christian faith. Yesterday I went on Clapham Common. We had quite a... Distressing is not the right way to put it, but a difficult journey. I've not been to these parts before and... Once the M1 was fine, you know, it's just a you don't have to do anything, you just sit there with your steering wheel. Then we got nearer London, and the sat nav was saying keep right, and keeping right wasn't actually what the sat nav meant, it meant stay in the central lanes but keep right. So I ended up, uh, I was about an hour late because of this. But we went on Clapham Common last night just to have a walk round, and there were hundreds of people doing different things some were partying drinking there were some kids playing university students playing rounders you name it people were doing lots of different things and as i was thinking about this a picture of what life is like you know we're all on the sea of life whether we're believers or unbelievers and, you know, there must have been seven or eight different cultures of people there. Maybe people with different religions. Maybe with some with no religion at all. People who were living their lives at that time as what seemed to be a joyful experience. Many people laughing and joking. Many people were uh, drinking and enjoying themselves. But we never know what's around the corner, do we? We never know what's coming around the corner. And some of those people that were there last night could have gone home and could have met with tragedy. What I'm trying to say this morning is that none of us know what the future holds. And without Christ in the boat, the sea that we travel on, without Christ in our lives, there is no hope. 
Because when these things come, when these things come and we have to face them, outside of Christ, there is no hope and no assurance of anything. And we just try and fumble our way through the best way we know how. These things that that happen to us, sometimes they come suddenly. And that's how this storm occurred in Matthew chapter 8. Verse 24 tells us that the storm came out of nowhere. It came suddenly. And that Jesus was asleep when this occurred. The disciples and those in the other boats, although they would have been experienced fishermen, experienced at handling storms... They weren't expecting this to happen at that particular moment in time. They were not aware of it. And they were never really sure of when storms were likely to come. And that's very much how our lives are like. And these types of storm, when they do come, are very often the most difficult to deal with. You know, it's all right when we we get about four or five months notice that the energy companies are going to bump our bills up and we're going to be paying 5000 and 6000 pound a year although it's going to be difficult we were given a little bit of prior knowledge and prior warning so we can stress ourselves out a little bit more on the run up to october but sometimes these things come out of the blue my mum was living life happily Two months ago, not been sent for a mammogram for quite a while because she's over the age where you have an, an annual um, or a five-yearly one, however often that, that ladies have to have them. And then all of a sudden she decided, I think I'd better go for one. She'd been having a little bit of pain in her side. She went and she was told that she'd got breast cancer. These things come. Just like that, out of nowhere. The sudden is in life. And they're hard to deal with. Some of you may have had issues of of your own in different circumstances. I don't know. I don't know anyone here other than my wife and my son. But it's likely that we've all had a similar circumstance. But how do we deal with that? Do we... Do we turn our back on God and say, why have you done this? Why have you allowed this to happen? Or do we move forward in the way that a Christian should really? Yes, it's difficult to get our our minds and our hearts around what's going off. But do we turn to God in expectancy that he will see us through it? Or do we just try and fumble through like those other fishermen who were in the boats that Christ wasn't on, thinking that it's their own way of managing. Jesus said this to his disciples in John chapter 14. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, 
neither let it be afraid. There is no peace outside of Christ. And that, dear friends, is, is an emphasis that I want to bring to you this morning. You may have been coming to church for years. You may believe for years. You may not even believe at all. But the world can offer us nothing. We've seen that over the last two, three years with the COVID situation. This was one of those suddenlies that came out of the blue. We never thought that we'd be locked inside our houses for months on end, not allowing to meet our families, not allowing to do this, that and the other. And the world scrambling around trying to find out an answer. And we still don't have a solution. Four, five jabs later, people are still catching it. Yes, the numbers of people that are passing away are dwindling. But people were living in fear. And that just shows you how the unbeliever reacts. This is the only thing they've got. And they want to grab hold of it with, with open arms and cling on to this world that really can offer them nothing apart from 75, 80, 85, sometimes over 100 years, if you're lucky. And then that's it. But as a believer, we have the hope that's in Christ, that starts in the here and now. Eternity starts when you're born again. And so our lives, we should be able to look at them and think, whatever may come, Whatever may take place, I know that it's the next life that matters. And I know that my assurance is fully in Christ. And we can live that life of peace. We'll have days when we struggle. We'll have days when the difficulties overcome us. But in reality, this peace should be a reality to each and every one of us if we are in Christ. So where are you today? In relation to this. Do you have the peace of Christ? Or. Are you struggling through life. Trying to get through it on your own. And that peace actually. Even though you may have been attending. Even though you may have been professing for years. Actually isn't part of your life. And the reality is. That Christ. Is just somewhere afar off. If that's the case. I urge you to call on him today. We see next in verse 24 that this suddenly was a great tempest. It says, not only does the storm arrive suddenly, it, it, it arrived with such great size. The word used is seismos, a great shaking, just like seismography where they measure earthquakes and vibrations this was the size of this storm this wasn't something that the fishermen would normally see commentators tell us that Galilee is more than 690 feet below sea level and that in May and October strong winds could sweep through the narrow mountain valleys and when that met the calm sea it caused very sudden and violent storms and it turned what would be a normal calm sea into something that raged And that the foaming mass of waves which dashed over the sides of the boat to the point it could have sunk it. 
So can you grasp the enormity of the issue that these, these disciples were in and the other boats? You know, these weren't huge liners that we're talking about. These were small fishing boats that you're rowing around and you're feeling unsteady on. The gravity of the problem is huge. That actually these men could have lost their lives. The waves were that bad. And again, the storms in our lives can be very much like this. They can come in the suddenly. They can be a raging storm that seems difficult to overcome. And we can get to the point of where actually the water's coming in over the sides and we don't really know what to do. We feel like at any moment we could sink. We feel like there's a possibility we could drown. Have, have you ever experienced that? You know, Christian life is not a, a, a mask life. It's not something where we put a mask on and we have to pretend that these things do never affect us. We have to be real. But one thing that God has put around us is that if we share these things with one another, it says bear one another's burdens. We have, a, we have a huge responsibility of Christians. And there are going to be days where we face great tempests and we need each other. Unity is vital. It's something that, you know, I'm so blessed with the church that I come from that the unity over the years that we've been together has just grown and grown and grown. And you can share anything with one another and pray with one another and seek God for the answers with one another. So let's not be frightened of these storms. Let's not be worried that the inevitable is going to happen. But have that faith that God is actually going to bring us through. Verse 25, the disciples says, Teacher, do you not care? That we are perishing? Do you not care? Now I find this very strange. And the reason I wanted to read the context of, of chapter 8 is that you'll read before it that, that the disciples have seen many healings. They've seen Christ do many, many things. And yet at this point, they're absolutely fearful that they're going to perish even though they've got Christ in the boat and fear is a dangerous thing for anyone but even more so for a Christian fear, fear is a sin the Bible tells us the reality is that fear obstructs our reality so the disciples went to Jesus and said, do you not care? So what a strange thing to say to the living God in human flesh. Fear only ever sees the negative outcome. I mean, I'm, I'm this type of person, so I know what I'm talking about. You know, you look at a situation and actually you, you see it in that direction more than you see it in the positive. Fear does that to you. And fear and control, fear, sorry, controls and destroys 
our trust and belief. And it's one thing that we must not allow Satan to use to get a grip on our lives. The fear of anything. Hebrews 3, 8 to 15 says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called day, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Fear will always lead to the hardening of hearts. And it's a dangerous thing. Why am I suffering in this matter? Why are these things happening? With fear, it can lead us to just turning our back on God and being a million miles away. But even though they were fearful, we read that they still went and woke Jesus up. And this is where the story turns. Even in their pit of despair, they knew that Christ was in the boat and they knew where they needed to turn. And that's the difference between someone who knows Christ in reality and somebody who only knows them out of a knowledge and reading a book with a human ability to understand what's being said. Our Christian life is not a life about knowledge. It's not a, it's not a Christian library. It's an experience. It's a, it's a knowing of God, not about him. And when we are in these situations, we have the ability to go to Christ because he is in our lives. He dwells in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And if you like, I don't think it's irreverent to say so, we can go, we can say, we can wake him up with our prayers. Not that he's sleeping, because we know that God never sleeps or slumbers. But you understand what I'm saying. When those situations are so hard, where it feels like your words are just clanging against a bronze ceiling, that you go, and you go again, and you go again, and you go again. Just like that woman. Just like the, 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 the parable about the, the one who went to seek bread and kept knocking on the door. And the door was open. Why? Because he kept knocking. Kept seeking. Kept asking. Now this is not about trying to twist God's arm. This is about the building of our faith. And so we must recognize that Christ is in the boat with us and that we can go to him and we can seek him in any of our circumstances those other people in the other boats they didn't have that they were battling this, these, like, this storm on their own and that's what they're doing out there they battle everything that they come against in their own strength they think yes we'll, we'll sort this out 
I've got a good friend who can lend me a little bit of money. He won't want it back for a while. I'll just, I'll go to the doctors and if I just, if I just keep ploughing through life, everything will be all right. It'll, it'll all turn all right in the end. But we have a, a hope that is steadfast and sure. Nothing can remove it. And surely that is something to praise God about. Surely that is something to get excited about. Surely that is something to, to, to fill us with assurance. To enable us to get through and travel through this, this land that we're travelling through at this moment in time. So verse 26 tells us that Jesus, when he woke up, said these words to his disciples. Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Now we may find it hard to understand why Jesus was able to sleep in such circumstances. But Hendrickson, the commentator, tells us this and helps us a little bit. He says, the tense used in the original picture pictures Jesus as slumbering peacefully. He wasn't just asleep and he was easily woken. He was at peace. He had been working hard and he was very tired. He was human as well as God, but he needed sleep. Besides, he said, it was not difficult for him to fall into a deep sleep for his trust in the heavenly father, his own father, was unfaltering. And we're not like that, are we? We haven't got that ability to be absolutely unfaltering in our faith. faith. And what a comparison that is to us. And you may say that, well, you know, Christ was God. He had no obstacles. He had full communion with God at all times. He had a relationship with his father that was, that far surpasses anything we can ever experience. And that will be right. However, Christ rebuked his disciples in this situation and said, why are you fearful? You of little faith. How is it that you have no faith, he says in Mark. Where is your faith, it says in Luke. Now we must understand that this is not saving faith that he's talking about. We're talking here about a trust and a reliance in Christ and everything that that means. And it's not that they had no faith at all. It says you of little faith. But they had not come to the point of the centurion's faith that we read about earlier in this chapter. Jesus said to the centurion, I've never seen faith like this. This faith actually met Jesus on a road and he said, I understand authority. You don't have to come to my house. I know that at your word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus was flabbergasted. Never seen faith like that before. We see regularly that Jesus talks about a lack of faith. In Matthew 6, it talks about clothe, that, that, that you shouldn't worry about today and tomorrow, for God will clothe you, just like the, the grass of the field. We see many times where there's a lack of faith in God's word. 
There's a lack of understanding. But the overarching problem in all these circumstances is our lack of faith. Our lack of belief and trust in God. Not that he exists, but that actually he is sovereign. And he will always do what's best for us. You know, I know that probably most of you will believe in the sovereignty of God and, and, and the doctrine that is taught about that. But how hard is that sometimes to put in practice? And that's, what, that's where this faith comes in, you see, because it's not about how we understand it. You can be the best theologian in this country and still not have, a f the, um, have the faith in Christ that's required in these situations. Hendrickson says again about these, these men, men of little faith. That is, men who were not sufficiently taking to heart the comfort that they should have derived from the presence, power, promise and love of their master. Said earlier, didn't I, that they saw the miracles. They'd spent, they spent three years with him. But they had still not got to the point where they could derive his power, his presence, his promise and the love that he had for them. Is that you this morning? Do you find yourself in that circumstance? Hendrickson continues, Jesus reminds them that there was no valid reason for their bewildered panic. Very recently, these men have been appointed, selected, chosen to be Christ's disciples with a view to apostleship and all this implied. What the one who had chosen, would, sorry, would the one who had chosen them allow them to perish in the angry deep was not his very presence reassuring. These men had all been called to be his disciples. They had a ministry that they were going to go and do after Christ had been crucified and raised and back to the Father. And yet they were still fearful about that point in their life where they were on the ship, on the boat. And I want to suggest that we can be very, very much like that. God has appointed us to be his children. We are heirs through Christ. We are children of God through Christ. And yet sometimes we can struggle at understanding the power, the divinity, the presence and the love of God for us. And again, I want to encourage you this morning to look into the word of God and find the promises. Not in a, in a name it and claim it fashion. But the word of God is powerful. And the promises that we found in the Bible to do with the presence of God in our lives, to do with his, his ability to keep us steadfast until the end. You know, we're only travelling as a pilgrim through this land. Our eternal home and destination, just like the promised land for Israel, is awaiting us. Our Canaan is there, ready for us to go in. And we need to walk this life knowing the presence of God. 
being assured that when we turn to him, no matter what the circumstances are, that he is with us always until the very end. And that although the winds and the waves come tossing into the boat, that he will hold us fast until we meet him face to face. And that's what we see as a final observation in verse 27. And what a glorious ending this is to the circumstance. The wind and the waves obeyed him. But this is not just about the fact that the storm was calmed. This is a fact about that the disciples got to witness there and then the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. God in action in that boat there with him. He spoke just, at the, just as at the very beginning of creation. And the winds and the waves calmed. Now we may not always see the things disappear in our lives that we are struggling with. The hardships may not always be fully taken away. Just like Paul and the thorn that was in his flesh. But the storm of anxiety should always be calmed. We should always be able to see the deity, the, the, the wonder-working power of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives by the power of his Holy Spirit to have that peace that we were talking about earlier. And so what I'm suggesting to you this morning, suggesting to myself this morning, that if we put ourselves in the boat in this story and have it as an allegory, if you like, for our very lives, that we should be able to meditate on it and be able to see how Christ overcomes the difficulties that we have in our lives, the storms that come, the waves that toss over the side, that actually... If you are Christ's, if he is in your life, if the Spirit is there, then his words are always speaking over you. Calm, peace, be still. Regardless of what it looks like, that peace, that recognition that actually I'm, I'm only passing through and heading towards that promised land. It's going to give us assurance, friends. Do any of you like that today? I don't know. I've seen people with a lack of assurance and it cripples them. They don't know that they're saved. They don't know that they've got a God who will hold them and keep them. And so when these storms come, they're the people who end up backsliding because... Actually, they don't have that faith in Christ that others do have. And Christ is offering that to each and every one of us today. He is the yes and amen to all of God's promises. Every single one of us. And it's imperative that we only ever look to him. Just like Peter when he got out of the boat, he was fine walking along while his eyes were fixed on Christ. But as soon as he started to take his eyes off, he started to sink.
And Christ had to outstretch his arms. And I'm saying to you this morning that if you're sinking, and if you are a child of God, then Christ's hand is there, ready to hold you. Reach out and grab it. And if you're not struggling at the minute, if you're going through one of those mountaintop experiences, then praise God. But keep your eyes focused on him. Don't ever let him be, be wandered to the right or to the left because it's so, so easy. Work pressures, family pressures, financial pressures, peer pressure. But no, let's keep our eyes totally fixed on Christ. And the final thing that I want to say is that there is a storm coming one day that everyone is going to have to face. And that's the judgment day of Christ. And there's no escaping that storm for anyone. Everyone who travels in their boat through this life will eventually have to face God face to face. And then they will have to give an account of the life that they've lived and whether they've rejected or whether they have come to Christ. So where do you stand this morning? Because that day is there looming for each and every one of us. It is appointed once for men to die. Then comes the judgment. And the only place of calm, the only place of safety, the only place of stillness is in the ark of Christ. In that boat where Christ is sits. If you find yourself today sailing on the boat where Christ does not lay his head. Then you need to paddle towards that boat where Christ's on. And you need to get on it. And you need to seek him with all that you have. Because that day is coming. And it's, and it's looming for each and every one of us. We don't know when it's going to be. We don't know if you've got 50 years. We don't know if you've got two years. We don't know if we've got five minutes. So as I close this morning, I ask you to examine yourselves. Where are you in the faith? May God help us. Amen. Shall we just pray? Father, we do thank you for your word. We know that, that in, and out, in and of itself, the words on the page, whether they be black or red, that they, they are nothing unless you breathe upon them. The words that come out of a man's mouth is nothing unless you attend them, Father. And so, regardless of what's been said or how it's been said or how it's been received, I pray, Father, you would work on this word in each and every one of us this morning. That as that man said, you would increase our faith. We are so, so fickle and, and earthly and worldly at times, Father. And the truth is that we need you every hour. We need you to 
come in and put a calm to the turmoil that's going off in our inner lives as well as our physical lives. And so, Father, I ask you this morning that you would make yourself known by the power of your Holy Spirit to a greater degree in each and every one of us than we already experience. And that, Lord, as we go home from here today, we would think again about what we've heard, measure our lives against where we are, and seek you with all that we have. In Jesus' name.